Cast your mind back to last year when the UK government said they were dropping the digital ID system connected to vaccines and social credit standings. Well, guess what? Yep, they lied. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another podcast. Today's the 6th of April, 2022. So check this out. The UK government is pushing ahead with its nationwide digital ID plans, the lying fuckers, despite half of the responses to its public consultation on digital identity opposing the idea. On April the 6th, 2022, which is today, new digital identity document verification technology, IDVT, that enables data sharing between public bodies and businesses for the purpose of identity verification will be introduced. That's today, people. It will be made available to UK employers, landlords and letting agents who can use it to digitally carry out pre-employment criminal record checks along with right to work checks and right to rent checks also oh man the introduction of this digital idvt is part of the government's far-reaching digital id plans which were announced back in march the government has framed these digital id plans as a way for uk citizens to easily and quickly prove their identity using digital methods instead of having to rely on traditional physical documents. Under these digital ID plans, UK citizens will be able to create a digital identity with a trusted organisation. They say trusted, but... (laughs) will then be given a legal gateway to carry out verification checks against official data held by public bodies to help validate a person's ID. The government will also allow the trust generated by a single successful digital identity check to be passed to other organisations where appropriate. The trusted organisations that provide these digital identity solutions will need to get accredited and certified under legislation that the government plans to introduce. Once accredited and certified, they'll be given a trust mark to demonstrate their compliance and will be defined as being a trust marked organisation. A new interim governing body, the Office for Digital Identities and Attributes, the ODIA, will be set up in the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport, which is the DCMS, and it will have the power to issue these trust marks. The ODIA will also publish a publicity viewable list of trust marked organisations. There's a lot of trust going around here, isn't there? 
how can we trust our governments? We can't, we never have, and probably never will be able to. So other companies that rely on digital identity solutions provided by trust marked organizations won't need to be certified, but may be subject to flow down conditions such as agreements to not share the information they receive agreements. Okay. Before announcing these digital ID plans, the government sought views and feedback on its proposed approach to digital identity via a public consultation. 50% of the responses to this consultation were against digital identity in principle, but the government didn't include these responses in its statistical analysis of responses to the consultation because they did not engage with the questions. However, the government insisted that outside the context of producing the statistical analysis, we have taken these responses into account as part of this consultation exercise. Of course you have. The government also admitted that some respondents feared that digital identities are going to be made mandatory for all people but dismissed the concerns as false. <laughs> okay, let's have that in black and white and said it will be that it will seek feedback on how to encourage more inclusive digital identities. As set out in the consultation, there are no plans to make digital identities mandatory, so they say, but we recognize they are an emerging technology and people may not be fully aware of the privacy and security benefits. Privacy and security benefits. <clears throat> That's another life of starters. They've got total control over our privacy and security benefits if this goes down. Which it starts today. Therefore, we will take steps, the government says to increase understanding amongst potential users and engage with civil society groups to receive their expert feedback on how to increase inclusion now and into the future. The government added that it's committed to ensuring that people will still be able to use available paper documents. Well, we'll see about this and we'll see if they get rid of cash or run cash alongside the central bank digital currency eventually to keep us all quiet, but eventually fading it out. <clears throat> That's what usually happens. Covert, covert. The government says, uh, well, the government's digital ID framework has completed alpha testing. The next steps are a beta publication followed by beta testing before the framework is formalized into legislation. The government cited positive feedback received about the ability to conduct right to work and right to rent checks remotely during the COVID-19 pandemic or pandemic <clears throat> as one of its reasons for initiating its review of digital ID. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the UK government embraced vaccine passports a technology that shares many similarities with digital ID by requiring citizens to use a digital pass. These vaccine passports were used to scoop up large amounts of data from UK citizens. 
some of which was shared with private companies. Vaccine passports are one of many examples of the UK government using or proposing the use of technolo uh, technology to surveil its citizens. Other examples include its secretly surveying millions of COVID vaccine recipients via their phones, proposing a social credit style app to encourage healthy eating and proposing the increased use of surveillance drones to protect women. Despite its history of surveillance, the government insists that this digital ID technology will have strong security and privacy standards. <laughs> I can't help but laugh at that. <clears throat> the government's digital ID plans were announced in the same month that the UK government's online safety bill began its legisl uh, legislative journey. Now, this bill mandates the implementation of identity and age verification technology on many large online platforms. This current attempt to introduce digital ID comes almost a decade after the UK government launched its 2013 digital ID project, Verify, they called it, which was blasted by the National Audit Office and internal parliamentary committees for failing the public and missing all of its performance targets. My God, my God. Now our government's rollout of this is just proof that it's planning the demise of the Bank of England's fiat system and a collapse of a financial system in place for a, a hell of a long time. But remember, this is end game for them. And you can't have a central bank digital currency without the public each having their own digital ID. I really want to know what you lot think about this. If anyone wants to leave a reply to that question, then send me a voice message and we will start a dialogue. So, on to the next subject. How does propaganda work? Well, I came across this short interview years ago of a CIA agent explaining that very question. Have a listen. Well, give me a concrete example of how you use the press this way, how a false story is planted and how you got it published. Well, for example, in my, my war, the Angola war that I helped to manage, uh, one third of my staff was propaganda. Ironically, it's called covert action inside the CIA. Outside, that means the violent part. Uh, I had propagandists all over the world, principally in London, Kinshasa, and Zambia. We, were, we would take stories which we would write and put them in the Zambia Times and then pull them out and send them to a, a journalist on our payroll in Europe. But his cover story, you see, would be that he, would, he had gotten them from his stringer in Lusaka who had gotten them from the Zambia Times. We had the complicity of the government of Zambia, Kenneth Kaunda, if you will, to put these false stories into his newspapers. But after that point, the journalists, uh, Reuters and AFP, uh, the management was not witting of it. Now, our contact man in Europe was, and we pumped just, just dozens of stories about Cuban atrocities, Cuban rapists. Uh, in one case, we had the Cuban rapists caught uh, and tried by the Ovimbundu maidens who had been their victims. And then we ran photographs that made almost every newspaper in the country 
of the Cubans being executed by the Ovimbunda women who supposedly had been their victims. These were fake photos? Oh, absolutely. We didn't know of one single atrocity committed by the Cubans. It was pure, raw, false propaganda to, to create a, an illusion of communists, you know, eating babies for breakfast and that sort of totally false propaganda. Now, that was a CIA agent, and that's how the CIA get the media to lie to you. But this tactic isn't only used by the CIA in the US, but by governments worldwide. Their main propaganda tool is the media. Other tools being celebrities and even NGOs like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization. This is no new tactic. It's been happening for a long time. Remember, the BBC was used extensively as a propaganda tool during World War II to convince the Allied publics that everything German was evil and everything Allied was good. This still goes on today as news channels across the world are continuously caught out telling lies. It's much easier to see these lies these days with the technology we have at our fingertips. But sometimes you don't even need technology, just your keen eyesight will do. Green screen is being seen on a lot of media coverage of the big distraction at the moment, the war between Ukraine and Russia. Only last week, the British media had a report on British news showing pictures of buildings on fire. The report claimed that Russian missiles destroyed these Ukrainian civilian buildings and its residents. But after a closer look, the firemen putting out the fires were all wearing Canadian uniforms with Canadian fire engines. Clearly an incident on Canadian soil, but reported as anti-Russian propaganda. It's so easy to be fooled these days if all you watch is mainstream media. Open up your options into multiple independent investigative journalism, a skill being censored on a huge scale these last two years, but a tool for us to use nonetheless. But even following those rules, you always need to see the bigger picture. Turn yourself into a Sherlock Holmes and do some proper research. Propaganda can be used as a double agent, if you will with agendas pushed for reasons most won't even comprehend. Agendas for destruction campaigns, like this war in Ukraine. Propaganda coming from both sides to confuse the fuck out of investigators. But we find out how Putin also went through Klaus Schwab's School for Global Leaders. So we must surmise that the double agent propaganda we are being smothered with might just be the destruction needed for them to turn the public's eye away from the main goal, their main goal. And their main goal is the Great Reset. And the only way they can achieve the Great Reset is with a central bank digital currency. So I say to you, the listener, don't get caught up in this propaganda tactic. Use your brain, use your eyes, And if you do look hard enough, you can see the lies for what they are. Just propaganda. Thanks for listening. Until next time, toodle fucking do.